0: Welcome to Pivot, a podcast for church leaders sponsored by Faith Lead at Luther Seminary. Pivot invites church leaders to use disruptive moments to reimagine how they think about church, ministry, and leadership. Welcome to Pivot. I'm Terry Elton. And I'm Alicia Granholm. And today our episode is, the theme is Discerning the Challenge. And I'd
1: love to introduce our guest, Michael Binder. He is a professor at Luther Seminary, teaching leadership, and is part of the faithful innovation work at Luther. And he's actually been really instrumental with working with congregations and judicatories, helping them engage faithful innovation for almost a decade now. Michael is also a founding pastor at Mill City Church in Northeast Minneapolis, where he continues to be involved today. So, welcome, Michael. We're super happy to have you with us. And to start, I would love to know your thoughts on what it means to discern our challenges in ministry with regard to faithful innovation.
2: Yeah, thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Terry. Really glad to be on the podcast with you all today. And uh, what an important question. So, how do we discern the challenges in ministry with regard to faithful innovation might sound like a strange question. Like, don't we already know the challenges that we're facing in ministry? Uh, There's pandemic concerns, there's financial concerns, there's uh, theological challenges. Like, we've got we got a, a lot of challenges, and now you all are introducing this podcast conversation suggesting suggesting uh, maybe we need to discern some challenges or figure out what our challenges are. Yeah.
0: Michael, I feel like you've been in some of my meetings lately.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, I totally agree. This is a really important question because I think most of us assume we already know what our most important challenges are in church leadership. And I think there's probably some opportunity for us to say, are those really the, the core challenges that we're facing, the deepest challenges that we're facing? Or are they just the ones that are most in our face uh, every single day, kind of the presenting challenges? And so I would say part of what it means to discern our challenges is to think about think about them like an, like peeling an onion is the, is the metaphor I usually use. And You have to, you know, get down a few layers to really find out what's going on underneath. And um, I think of a few churches that I've talked to lately who are looking at what does life look like post-pandemic? How do we engage, you know, online community and in-person community? You know, does it make sense to try to engage our neighborhood now? Or is it not safe? Or how do we do that? You know, there's a lot of these really important questions But they don't always get down to the level of kind of discerning at the core, at least for me, the two primary questions, which are, you know, who really are we? What's our identity? And then what is God inviting slash calling us to do at this particular time? And for me, those are very freeing questions because otherwise we can get particularly overwhelmed by the number of challenges that we're all facing, which is a lot right now. And if we can push pause on the kind of presenting challenges, even for a few minutes and say, okay, how do we get down to kind of who we are and what it is that God wants us to focus on right now, instead of trying to solve all the challenges at once. That's, that's really critical.
0: Michael, that's really helpful. And I don't know about you and your teaching, but when I'm teaching uh, seminary students or just even having some conversations generically with church leaders, this finding the challenge is and getting to the right layer, I like the onion imagination, right? Are we at the right layer? Have we gone deep enough? Is really hard. And it's really easy to jump too quickly to the yes rather than l- lingering and wondering, Is have we gone deep enough? And last week we talked about listening and especially to people's longings and losses. I know you've done some of that work with regard to this. What would be your sense of when have we done enough listening? When have we tapped into that? And then when do we put that in conversation with what you just said, our identity and our call kind of in this moment?
2: Okay, so I think we've done enough listening when we feel like we have some consensus, some unity around really those questions, right? Like, this is who we've been in the past. So when I say who we are, uh, I mean, let's look at our history as a congregation. Let's look at our tradition. You know, when, I, when I'm when i working with Presbyterians, I say, how, how can we be more Presbyterian in this particular moment? I could be More relational. If I talk to Episcopalians, they say, like, hey, we're we really are anchored in the incarnation. Like, okay, how can we be more incarnational in this moment? So I'm not saying like we have to go searching for ourselves. Like we already know kind of who we are, but we've got to re-engage those listening questions with each other. Look at our history, look at our present, and then say, how can we be that in the present moment? And what are the practices? That we need to engage, like, for example, to say, hey we're we're a relational community. We're, like our our theological understanding of God is relational, and our our understanding of being church is relational. And it's really hard to be relational right now because we're distant from each other, and it's hard enough to be connected to each other, but then we also have to figure out how to be connected to pe- our neighbors who are experiencing loneliness and distance from others, et cetera. And so what are like these little ways that God might be leading us to say if the challenge is to be relational because God is relational and make these connections with people in the midst of pandemic and covid and all the things how can we do that even if it's in little ways with online connections or you know safe gatherings uh, in our neighborhood or providing food to our neighbors that maybe are experiencing some illnesses or whatever I think we've listened long enough when we're clear about that identity. And then we're kind of clear on here are some ways we might be able to live into that identity in the present moment.
1: I love that, Michael. And I I really even just appreciate you bringing up the value and even like vitalness, is that even a word, of really leaning into our identity and the particularities of that. And we talked about the chapter exercise a couple episodes ago and just the, the importance of looking at how has God been active, you know, in the life of a congregation or judicatory community historically and, you know, and how is God active and present today and what does that look like and that we can't we don't want to separate ourselves from that. Um, there's this con- important continuation with that. And and I think so often when people hear, you know, faithful innovation, just the term, there's this wonderment of, well, like, is, is that an invitation to be something that I'm not? Or an invitation to, you know, just scrap every, like our history and, and everything that We have sensed God calling us to up to this point. And so I I just think it's so important that you name that importance of, no, that that isn't the invitation whatsoever. It really is rooting ourselves in our identity and what we think God might be calling us to today. And um, so I'm curious what you think about, you know, the importance of using discernment when facing and dealing with ministry challenges today, especially in light of, you know, thinking about, faithful innovation and what God might be calling us to?
2: Yeah, so I I think I want to be clear as we dig into that question. You know, when we say discernment, what we mean is paying attention to however God might be leading us in the present moment. And that can happen in a whole variety of ways. And it happens somewhat differently in different traditions for different leaders and their congregations. But, it, but it's intentional to, to say, we believe the Spirit of God is providing some guidance for us right now, and we need to know what that guidance is in order to be able to follow along wherever wherever the Spirit of God is leading. So if we start there with that assumption, then we need some kind of core practices to say, how do you go about doing that with other people in the moment? And before I talk about the practices, I just want to say my fear right now is That we have kind of this uh, survival brain going on. And A, we kind of think we already know what our challenges are. And B, we're we're defaulting to the goal being surviving the current circumstances, which is completely understandable. Like it's been hard and it continues to be hard. But when the church's goal is just to survive, it never does well. It's just we're missing that whole identity and calling piece then. So so if we could just acknowledge our our temptation would be to just figure out how do we stay together until this whatever this is ends, that's not going to be helpful. Uh, We need to instead look at it and say, how might God be inviting us to step into this present moment in some ways that maybe require some risk-taking on our own part to be part of loving people well in the midst of these really difficult times.
0: I love this invitation to listen to the spirit, Michael, and I'm an ELCA Lutheran and that's not common vocabulary in many of the churches that I go to. And I will say I had this amazing conversation this week with a campus pastor who was just teaching me how ministry has been vibrant for her and in their context during these really challenging times. And it was all about the spirit. Mm. This pastor has not just been in the the ELCA, has a Pentecostal kind of chapter in her life and some other other places. And she's like, one of the things I love about this ministry is it lets me bring all that and, and some other flavor. But but what was really fun and for me with young adults too, right? Like this empowerment of her sensing in conversations, might this be the spirit nudging me, nudging mm-hmm. us, expanding mm-hmm. our imagination beyond what we have been, and with that kind of risk, right? And she she shared about a Muslim student wanting to do something for chapel. She shares somebody else from a different tradition that wasn't a Christian tradition, but it wasn't the Lutheran could they find themselves leading music and worship in a way that was different right and that nudging to say let's make it happen that was the word let's just try it let's make it happen and being a team of let's make it happen based on discernment not just opportunity if i'm a, it, so i'm going to put myself in a congregation that doesn't have that bend yet right that might want to move there how, what how could we get started michael
2: Yeah, a couple suggestions. I mean, one one way to get started is by asking what we usually call God questions. So, a God question is real simply a question that has God as the acting subject in it. So, just, you know, a question like, what might God be doing in the lives of the people who uh, live around our church? Or what might God be doing Uh, in the lives and work of people who are gathered in this particular place online? Or how is it that God might be speaking to us through some of the needs that we've noticed uh, in the neighborhood around us? So what what that does is it prevents us from only asking what we usually refer to as church questions that are a lot about kind of fixing the church. Like, how can the church meet its budget this year? how can we get more young people to come into our church? How do we stream our church worship service online and also host people in per- person? Those aren't bad questions, but, but if you only ask church questions, you'd never get to these conversations about kind of almost, you know, spiritual guessing, educated spiritual guessing about how it is that God might be moving and, and what we might be doing. So asking those questions together and just saying like, are there any ways that God might be speaking to us or doing something for Lutherans in particular, they have a, a strong theology that God is at work in the world, you know, that God is working through us in the world. So if we just said, you know, Lutheran version of a God question might be, how do we see God at work in the world around us? Or how do we see God at work through us in the world right now? We can start talking about that. Those are, Those are the best starting places I know how. But we also have a lot of other practices uh, on Faith Lead and Leader Companion that are really designed to say, hey, pay attention to moments in your life that might have more depth of meaning than other moments. That one's called the Processing the Cairo Circle. Uh, Practices like dwelling in the word where we allow scripture to be God's voice in our lives. So there's a number of ways to get into it, but you have to be intentional to really do that kind of discernment work and assume God wants you to know. It's not, God's not trying to trick us. This is not a, you know, a test. Like God actually wants us to know what that leading is like so we can follow along.
1: Michael, I'm curious, one of the things you've named a couple of times, and I feel like I'm maybe circling back to the beginning of our conversation a little bit, but that, you know, so often the presenting challenge isn't necessarily, doesn't always get at the root challenge that, would be more beneficial for us to focus on and really consider when thinking about what god might be doing and inviting us to and so i'm curious if there are you know you've named some of the the more like technical challenges that a lot of congregations are are dealing with and focusing on right now and i'm i'm just curious if if as you've worked with congregations and judicatories over the years if there are some common questions that you hear leaders asking that there are some really more common adaptive challenge questions that people are actually asking when they kind of have some presenting challenges?
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of us that are asking questions about how to do different aspects of church life. Um, But the adaptive question underneath that set of questions is, how do we build meaningful relationships with people and engage in worship and service to our community in ways that actually make a difference in people's lives. And maybe we spend a lot of time kind of arguing around like how technically we're going to do that. But under underlying that, what we're hoping for is to engage meaningfully together in relationship with God and other people. So how do we do that?
0: So Michael, you've been a part of our Faithful Innovation Team at Luther Seminary as we did some massive listening across the church and really discerned the challenge that we would go after in helping the church around cultivating Christian identity and and community in this rapidly changing world. And I think about what you're talking about there, right? Is that a lot of people focused on the parts of church that weren't working. Michael and I have a... Advisor slash mentor Craig Van Gelder, who would say, you know, what is the church called to be? What is it called to do? And then how will you organize it? Right? And it was a lot of organizational focus, yeah, with some doing focus. But what you're calling us to in that, and what I think we discovered was really a being. What does it mean to be the people of God in 2022? What does it mean to be a Christian community? at the corner of First and Main? What does it mean to be a a parent cultivating Christian identity and being a part of a Christian community in a pandemic, right? Those are deeper being identity questions. Can you speak a little bit about maybe that process or what you learned in that larger listening about that kind of a challenge? Because that's huge,
2: yeah, I think it's I think there's some comfort and it's a little bit easier to work on some of the technical pieces of that and we just feel like we have a little more control so maybe we lean that way just to try to to make it feel like we're we're making some good progress to to lean into this question like who are we supposed to be is really hard it's kind of ambiguous and it's hard to know like I said before I think we learned You have to engage the biblical story in your own history to really get get at that. But I guess I'd want to press into, you know, the challenge is really not just for the people who are already in the church. This is maybe the biggest piece is who are we called to be for people who aren't in our churches? And when you start to say, when you start to ask that question, then then you have an outward focus. And you you're forced to say, I don't know. I mean, how would I know that that would require us to have meaningful conversations with people who are not part of our congregations already and say, well, what's God doing in your life? You know, what, what spiritual questions do you have or yearnings do you have, or how do you make spiritual meaning out of your life? And Listen for the ways that God is already present in their lives. And if we can do that, then the identity question becomes a lot different because I have a context to ask it in. Like, what does it mean for me to be a person who loves my neighbor well when neighbor is not a hypothetical idea? It's a person that I just talked to last night who told me about how life's hard right now and how they're trying to make spiritual meaning out of it. Okay, now the question becomes a lot clearer. So I think that question is just, it's hard to ask in the abstract. So we have to say, like, who might God be leading us to engage with? Let's assume it's not just people in our church already. And then how do we get into meaningful conversations with them online or in person? Or how do we love them well enough for them to want to have conversations with us about what's happening and, and making meaning out of their life right now?
1: Michael, that's such a great team for the practice that we are going to do today together, because one of the the ways that we can, you know, start to engage people really is around this practice of wondering genuinely what keeps them up at night and considering that, you know, even in regards to what keeps us up at night. And so, each episode we've been introducing a spiritual practice and the they're available in the to download in the show notes for each of our episodes and the the one that we want to do together with you today is this practice of what keeps you up at night and you know so often clergy face you know many different challenges both in their work with their congregations and even in balancing their personal life and so this exercise is really designed to help us reflect on what impacts us personally, whether as a leader or a pastor, but particularly in our everyday life. And so the practice invites us to reflect on two questions, and it can often be helpful to write down our answers. Today we'll just, you know, share them. And then even to think about how we might share what keeps us up at night um, with someone else, particularly people who might support us um, or maybe in our congregations or communities and even our neighbors. And, you know, obviously it requires a little bit of vulnerability, but the two questions are what's one thing that keeps you up at night. And the second question is why do you think this is something you are worried or concerned about? And so in thinking about those two questions, you know, as leaders, it's incredibly helpful to ask those of ourselves. It's super helpful, you know, as we want to get closer to those even in our own congregations to ask them of each other. And then to the point that you were sharing, it can be so beneficial to even ask those of our neighbors um, because so often we, we don't actually know what is literally keeping our neighbors across the street down the street up at night and sometimes those conversations can be pivotal in discerning you know the real challenge that we're facing and what god is calling us to or inviting us to respond to today so why don't we answer those two questions or at least maybe the first one what's one thing that keeps you up at night right now
2: yeah, thanks. I love this practice. It's a good way to get to know other folks, and it does require some vulnerability. I think a couple of things I'd say. One is just real practically right now, wondering about health and health concerns for people in my life, people I care about, folks I work with. There seems to be every every day there's a shift in that landscape, so that that's something that that definitely keeps me up. And then the second thing, I think, is the urgency of the moment. Like I, I've found myself waking up just because I feel like 10, 15 years from now, we're going to look back on this moment for the life of the church as leaders and say, wow, that was a really future shaping time. It was a time where there were some really great opportunities to, to do some of the work we're talking about on this podcast today. Do you guys talk about it more broadly? And there's also just some, you know, maybe tempted to kind of shelter ourselves and just try to make it through. So I I feel like I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and say like, oh man, this is a this is a thing we got to be paying attention to right now and working on and engaging and there's not there's not time to wait on it. So probably those two things are are what are keeping me up at night.
0: I have a lot of things that keep me up at night. Some related to kind of what you were just saying in some ways, Michael, just the practicalities of this moment and my lack of understanding, and my wonder, what, how am I called to lean into that as a mom, as a leader in the community, as a faith leader, you know, on all the fronts that I have. But I think with regard to faith, my deepest piece is this. I've been uh, a paid church leader for 30 years, and on my watch, before I retire, whatever, the churches, the institutional church is tanked. Like the, I can't work harder and faster and better in, to, on what I've done into the future to, to help the church lean into what God is doing. And so it is such, to your pivotal moment, Michael, on my watch, if you will, the church has experienced this. And and for me, when I peel back all the layers What's at the core of that onion for me is I am fearful that the church is not helping people integrate faith into their everyday life and make spiritual meaning of whatever it is that they're. It's not a resource. It's not a lens. It's just a compartmentalized thing. And so, my deepest desire, if I flip that, is is there any way in this moment, any openings, God, that I can? do something towards that end. In the little circles, in the little spheres of influence in the conversations that I have, because I have a deep conviction that the church has a calling to steward the witness of the future faith, like that my kids, my grandkids, my um, nieces and nephews' kids, their ability to have a faithful community to gather with and ask hard questions has everything to do with what we're doing right now. So that's what pulls me, right? That future generation, that future call. That's probably pretty deep, but it it actually is what when I get to the onion, what that's all about. What about you, Alicia?
1: Yeah, so uh practically speaking, we have a teething toddler, so that's like a literal thing that actually is thing person, if you will. That is keeping uh keeping me up at night. <laughs> And then, you know, after I'm awake at three a m, what keeps continues to keep me up at night, uh, you know, where my mind really wants to go. I mean, as someone who has loved the local church uh, her whole life, you know, it really is around what might church look like today. And I, I think about this particularly as uh, our oldest son is in pre-K. And so we've gotten to know, finally, if you will, I've gotten to actually know some neighbors uh, since we moved into our neighborhood two weeks before he was born. And in that, uh, you know, we we are meeting people who don't have a church home, who are not looking for a church home. And so almost daily, I, I just, I wonder like what God is inviting our family into as a witness of Jesus. What does that look like? What might that look like? You know, I, my imagination oftentimes like gets ahead of reality um, of, of what that could mean and what we could do. Uh, and but so that discernment piece is like, is really at the forefront of a, a lot of my husband and I's conversations these days about, you know what might God be inviting us to as a family when we think about our cute little neighborhood that the elementary school is like smack dab in the middle of, um, and just these families that we're getting to know through, you know, our son really. And so that is a question that I I just I think about all the time is like, gosh, what might God be up to in our neighborhood right now, and what might God be inviting our specific family to do in response to that um, as we think about. Um, the families that we're getting to know. And I really, you know, my prayer is just that we are intentional about it and really lean into it and don't miss an opportunity to faithfully innovate, if you will, um, because I don't think things that have um, worked historically, you know, over the past decades, um, when it comes to, you know, talking about Jesus with people are necessarily what is going to resonate and actually relate to the neighbors that we're getting to know today. And so we I feel like our family really is, is kind of smack dab in the middle of this question of what does it look like to be the church in the 21st century as we just discern literally like... What is that for us? Um, because they're certainly not going to come to church with us on Sunday morning. So I, I I love it. I get super excited about that question. And and sometimes
0: it makes me sweat too. Thanks. Thanks to both of you for sharing. It's such a reminder to me that some of the deepest, biggest discerning questions that we have that were are the center of our discernment get worked out in the real particularities And the things that are right in front of us, your neighborhood, the experiences of a local congregation and their neighborhood, or just like the contextual moments, right, that you said, to lean into those and say, God, in light of these things, what does it mean to be your people in this time? And boy, scripture's got a whole bunch of different places we could go and wonder about. And I think of all the different texts that we've dwelt in And how ironic it can be to say, how does it feel like today's moment resonates with that moment? Or what might I learn? What might this be telling me? So thanks for that, for both of you, for leaning into this discerning moment and helping us get some practices. Michael, thanks for your wisdom and uh, keep teaching those students at Luther Seminary. Keep messing with us on the ground with Mill City folks and beyond. And next uh, week, our episode is on the art of not knowing. What a great follow-up to discerning the challenge is. We might not know what we don't know, right? So join us next week for that episode. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Pivot Podcast. For more leadership resources, go to faithpluslead.luthersem.edu.